0: So coronavirus, so COVID-19, prior to the SARS coronavirus outbreak, um, we basically had thought that this was self-limiting, respiratory infection, it goes away, it it really isn't that that virulent, but we now know that it can be pretty nasty. So anyway, the viruses replicate using uh, something called a nested set of mRNAs, um, and that's characteristic of viruses, the way they replicate, and I'll go into it on how they do it, but it's called a coronavirus because uh, they get their name from their characteristic crown appearance when they look at micrographs. Um, coronavirus has a really large RNA genome um, and it's widespread in birds and bats. So we start. We saw it start out in China and now uh, Italy's counts are seemingly growing by the minute. When you look at uh, real-time data, it's pretty interesting what's going on there. And uh, what we see is now A lot of what's going on in the U.S. is happening in the same uh, velocity. There's a lot of people in the U.S. who are becoming more and more sick. Um, It's also seen in Iran, France, Spain, Germany, and South Korea, pretty much on every continent except Antarctica. So the World Health Organization declared this as a pandemic. This virus is zoonotic, meaning that it's transmitted between animals and people. It's also known to spread person to person, as we know, through coughing, uh, sneezing, close, contacts, uh, close contact, like touching hands, uh, touching a surface, tu- then touching your mouth, your nose, your eyes, uh, touching or eating something that is contaminated with feces. Um, what we know about the persistence of the virus on surfaces are as follows. Um, In metal, at room temperature, the virus can persist up to five days. Wood, the virus can persist at room temperature up to four days. Paper at room temperature, four to five days. Glass at room temperature, four days. Plastic at higher temperature can last five days, but at room temperature, it can go six to nine days. So yes, plastic really held this virus uh, more than any other surfaces. Pure alcohol was found to have the best reduction at 95%. What do we do, what do we see? We see fevers, cough, shortness of breath, gastrointestinal problems. But some of the real concerning complications is that it can lead to severe acute respiratory syndrome, pneumonia, kidney failure, and ultimately death. So the way it's tested is via a nasopharyngeal swab where they put a swab, uh, the doctor puts a swab up your nose or where testing you a few inches and, then, uh, and or into your throat, and they'll be able to test to see if there's the presence of it. Um, The incubation period can be two weeks and over with about a five day average. So this basically means that between the time of exposure uh, to the production of symptoms, it can be up to two weeks, five days on average, but up to two weeks, so meaning like I can walk around feeling all right, going to CVS, going to Whole Foods, uh, going to the office and not even knowing it. So that's pretty interesting because it is on the much longer side Uh, Where we may not know we are infected So how does a virus work and without getting too super scientific just to have a better understanding of what happens? So basically the virus comes and attaches to the cell and in the most simplified version It basically translates that RNA remember I told you it has a ton of RNA It's really large RNA uh, replicates and transcribes its RNA and then new little baby virons will take it like little little viruses are assembled in the cell Uh, so usually what happens at this point is When the virus is replicated, these little babies are in the cell, Uh, the cell uh, goes through a process called, uh, it lyses basically, it explodes. And then those viruses, those new viruses are released into the system. Well, uh, something interesting that this virus does is basically uh, when it infects a cell, it sort of fuses. Uh, Rather than exploding, it fuses into a healthy cell, sort of forming this big cell, and uh, that allows sort of a quiet transmission of the virus to now a new healthy healthy cell host. So really interesting. We don't see that across all boards for viruses. It's not the real classical way it replicates, but it's pretty interesting about the way coronavirus behaves. So they have these really important proteins called non-structural proteins. And this is something we have to understand uh, because this really adds to its virulence, the way that it uh, really affects us. Uh, And these proteins, they basically block the host cell's own genetic functioning, okay, Uh, like many other viruses do. They also block our innate immune system. That's our nonspecific first line of defense immune system, the ancient one. It promotes cytokine expression, increasing inflammation. It restricts the white blood cells from doing their jobs effectively. It inhibits interferons, which are an important mechanism because interferons are proteins that are released by the infected cell to signal to the immune system, hey, look, I'm infected, please come help, get the troops together. Um, but by quieting that, the virus is now able to work in silence, basically, without the immune system being alerted. And it's crazy to think that these things are so, so tiny, but are so sophisticated, Sort of like with a mind of their own, it's pretty wild um, when you look at that whole world of uh, infectious diseases. So regardless, uh, we are now over 1,000 confirmed cases and 30 deaths. And this is as of today, which is March 12th, I believe. Uh, But uh, these numbers can completely change by the time this podcast comes out. As of yesterday, there have been 127,000 people infected worldwide with 4,700 deaths. That's about a 3.7% death rate. The World Health Organization uh, previous estimate was at 3.4%. So uh, the large bump of these numbers uh, were at the epicenter in Wuhan, China. This is lower than the SARS outbreak in the early 2000s and also of the MERS outbreak in 2013, 14, 15. Uh, what we're seeing right now is a lot of deaths out of Italy that's growing. so um, I'm assuming the numbers will be higher to significantly higher when this show is heard um, as well as here in the United States. So the following numbers are based on two reports one uh, on February 2017 that analyzed all of the cases up to February 11th, which I know was a little bit a while ago a while ago but um, again this is, sort of the information that's coming out. Um, they published studies, this is a published study in the Journal of American Medical Association called The Characteristics of an Important Lessons from the Corona Disease of 2019 Outbreak in China. Um, and they analyzed data from the Chinese Center of Disease Control and Prevention of 72,314 corona cases as of mid-February, the largest sample that we've seen yet. And this was combined with a report of the World Health Organization and China Joint Mission uh, published at the end of February the 28th by the World Health Organization. So they gathered all this information um, to, give us, to give us these the death rate, basically. So the death rate is the probability of dying if you are infected with the virus as, uh, as reported in a percent. So that's basically the number of deaths divided by the number of cases. Okay, so remember, the uh, number of cases are always going to be underreported because a lot of these folks are coming down with diseases or the, or the infection, and it can be very mild to almost, almost non-existent for some folks. So the reporting is going to always be under, underreported in the terms of cases. So keep that in mind when you look at this mathematical equation of number of deaths over number of cases equaling death rate percent. So the death rate by age is as follows. Zero to nine years old, no fatalities. 10 to 19 years old, 0.2%. 20 to 29, 0.2%. 30 to 39, 0.2%. 40 to 49 years old, 0.4%. 50 to 59 years old, 1.3%. 60 to 69 years old, 3.6%. 70 to 79 years old, 8.0%, 8%. And 80 years old, 14.8 to 21.9%. There are more deaths in males than females. But to put those numbers into perspective, you'll have a 1% chance of dying in a car crash. And the likelihood of dying from heart disease will be 17% and of cancer, 14%. So the fatality rate was 49% among those in critical cases. um, And elevated among those with pre-existing conditions, which we are seeing is the major issue right now folks older folks with pre-existing conditions comorbidities as we call it let me tell you the percentage for these pre-existing conditions with no pre-existing conditions 0.9 percent overall cancer 5.6 percent to 7.6 percent. hypertension 6 percent to 8.4 percent chronic respiratory disease 6.3 percent to 8 percent diabetes 7.3 percent to 9.2 percent And cardiovascular disease, 10.5% to 13.2%. You see where uh, comorbidities come in because they definitely elevate the risk of dying from the infection. And this is a problem. Because most coronavirus patients have mild to moderate diseases, right? Mild to moderate illness, I'm sorry. And they recover without really need for hospitalizations. Um, And I put that on a graph yesterday, which was uh, updated as of February 9th. So you can always check out that post with uh, a few slides. Most of you have seen it before or saw it yesterday. But according to the CDC, older adults and anyone with a chronic disease are most at risk, as I was saying. But one of the biggest factors is being over 60 and those comorbidities, as I was talking about, right? the chronic diseases, the big problem is that we live in America. That's a land of chronic disease. Unfortunately, we have about 133 million people. That's about 40% of us. Almost half of us are living in the United States with a chronic disease, right? And 81 million people have multiple chronic diseases, which makes this infection scary because so many of us are so sick already. So really this coronavirus pathogen, from what I remember learning in school, it was a lower pathogenic um, infection and they infect the upper respiratory tract they cause mild cold respiratory-like illnesses but what we're seeing is a more highly pathogenic one right such as the severe acute respiratory syndrome one the sars one um, where fluid is filling up in the sacs of the lungs and that compromises the airway exchange and folks are dying of pneumonia so we don't know yet how lethal the disease is at this point we're just having an idea right now as it's somewhat still early on we cannot pinpoint or predict it because it's underdiagnosed, and again we don't see how it's unfolding fully yet we will in the next few weeks some folks have mild symptoms some are never even diagnosed Um, we don't know how many americans will become infected or die i have not yet seen any models or trajectories from the cdc on how bad it can be um, there are some other uh, models out there, estimations but uh, from other authorities, but I'm still waiting on that from the CDC. We do know that it is more dangerous than the flu. We don't know how long immunity lasts. There's a chance that one can relapse. Um, it might be even a likely chance. There's no evidence that your pets can contract the virus. So the estimated reproduction rate, that's the number of infections generated by each infected person, right? So the... Reproduction rate for this disease is somewhere between 1.4 and 2 to 3 and the scale is 1 to 5. 5 is the worst and for an epidemic to end the reproduction rate has to fall below 1. Again, reproduction rate is a number of infections generated by each infected person. Influenza's reproduction rate is about 1.5. Now you can understand this is why experts are pushing social isolation to hopefully bring this reproduction rate down below zero. There's no vaccine at the moment, Uh, And I'm not sure that if a vaccine is made, it would be completely effective. Uh, I would hope it be much more effective than the flu shot if and when it comes out, but I don't know if it'll even come out. Um, But there is a quote from the Journal of Medical Virology that I want to put here. Various vaccine strategies such as using inactivated viruses, live attenuated viruses, viral vector based vaccines, subunit vaccines, recombinant proteins and DNA vaccines have been developed but have only been evaluated in animals thus far. But remember, our job is not to sit here and wait for a vaccine to come out either. It's now when we have to be proactive for each other. Um, also, we know that antivirals and interferons, uh, interferons don't work. In America, we had a very slow response to contain it. We had a month of warning and the government did not prepare properly. We do know uh, it is bad. We know it's gonna get worse. Um, as it as it moves up that curve and as a country, uh, we weren't ready. We're still not necessarily even ready We're not uh, even properly testing people for the virus um, Hospitals don't have enough isolation rooms. We don't have enough beds enough nurses and enough doctors So as I said again, we need to be very much so proactive now as a community Okay, so for the other part of this segment, I want to get into a few things that I am doing for myself but i need to make disclaimers so please don't get annoyed with me but i have to make this and inc- sit No, don't want to say that but i have to make disclaimers to the audience so as a preference this is not medical advice you must consult with a professional ask your doctors ladies and gentlemen okay do not construe this to be a be-all end-all this is not a cure for coronavirus do not even consider this a prevention or a treatment either i'm just sharing with you all what i am doing okay remember that Um, i'm supporting my immune system and doing everything i can to keep myself and others safe and the coronavirus the biggest factor is immune suppression one of its mechanisms for survival is to suppress the immune system and to evade it by reducing those interferons as i mentioned those proteins that are released in response to viruses well coronavirus quiets that turns off the light on that so let's start with the basics Okay, those hygienic strategies, you've got to clean your hands and you've got to do them often. should be doing this anyway, but um, much better with soap. You want to wash your hands with soap for at least 20 seconds, especially after you've been in a public place, especially after blowing your nose, coughing, or sneezing. Soap in itself is effective at reducing viruses because the soap molecules affect the viral membrane. That's the way that they work. And that viral membrane is basically the glue that holds the virus together. If you do not have access to uh, soap and water, then you can use a hand sanitizer. Maybe you should always have it with you, but make sure it's over 60% alcohol, okay? And I did a whole show on hand sanitizers about how to choose them. If you're constantly using hand sanitizers, you wanna stay away from the conventional ones because they have chemicals like triclosan, which in itself can weaken your immune system, and it's known to do that. And bioaccumulate the more and more you're exposed to it. So you can consider making your own. You just want to make sure you have strong enough alcohol. Um, you can use one cup of alcohol to half a cup of aloe vera gel and about 10 to 15 drops of essential oils. Some of them that have been shown to be antimicrobial are lemongrass, citronella, geranium, peppermint, eucalyptus, orange, oregano, thyme, and other ones. Okay. So hand sanitizer, remember, as an adjunct. Make sure you're always washing your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, mouth. And unwashed hands. Cover your coughs, cover your sneezes, cover your mouth and nose, utilize a tissue when you can or the inside of your elbow, throw the tissues in the trash, always wash your hands. Now as far as face masks, use them if you are sick. You should wear a face mask when you are around other people like you're sharing a room or a vehicle or an office uh, or before you enter a health care provider's uh, office. If you are not sick though, you don't need to wear a face mask unless you are caring for someone who is sick. Right. Face masks are in short supply. So we have to be mindful of those who need it much more than us. Clean and disinfect frequently touch surfaces. Right. Like tables, doorknobs, light switches, countertops, handles, desks, phones, keyboards, toilets, faucets, sinks. Just keep cleaning them up. Keep your house clean. Don't go crazy, but keep your house clean. Remember, I talked about 95 percent alcohol um, being uh, on, on surfaces, being uh, biocidal. So if the surfaces are dirty, clean them. Use detergent or soap or water or alcohol, okay, as I mentioned. For close contact, avoid close contact for people who are sick. Put distance between yourself and them, um, especially if it's spreading throughout the communities. This is especially important for people who are at higher risk of getting sick, as I mentioned. We We may even want to avoid those folks to keep them healthy if you are sick, okay? I mentioned social isolation before. And i want you to consider this until it may even possibly become mandatory you may have heard about the term flattening the curve that means to avoid the rapid spike in cases which we are seeing right so if you think about a graph on the x-axis of the graph we see days since first case and on the y-axis the number of daily cases so without the protective measure the number of daily cases will spike more dramatically and more early on we want to attenuate that spike such as to stay under the capacity of our healthcare system, right? We don't wanna overwhelm the healthcare system, right? So again, really important to reduce the number of cases, the number of daily cases and throughout, and, and then reduce them, bring them down through time, right? So as to, again, not overwhelm our medical system. So with isolation, we spread those cases out over time. So again, consider, uh, consider avoiding large groups, large events. This may be the quickest way to actually protect yourself and others. Certainly if you're over 60 years of age, now's the time to protect yourself. Um, as I was talking to my dad yesterday, I had told him he's 66, 68? Um, yeah, I know he's gonna hear this and he's gonna yell at the camera or at, the, at his phone how old he is. But regardless, I told my dad to stay inside, to stay indoors as much as he can, Only leave if it's necessary. Um, He's a healthy guy, but we want to keep him and anyone else in the household and the rest of my extended family healthy. So if you are over 60, I would, would, would recommend to be as much in social isolation as you can until these cases go down. All right, so supplements. Supplements um, that have either been shown to support the immune system and or be antiviral. remember, 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 as I just said, this is not used to prevent, treat, or cure coronavirus. Vitamin C, this protects our DNA and RNA. I mentioned the mechanism of how the virus acts as far as interferons and other mechanisms, but the big one is interferons. It acts as an antioxidant and it can reduce reactive oxygen species that are burdening our immune system. Vitamin C is immunomodulatory. In our immune cells, right, like lymphocytes and macrophages, they all have vitamin C in high concentration, right? So we help to protect these white blood cells with vitamin C. It improves the movement of these white blood cells towards a target. It enhances phagocytosis, which is the gobbling up of the infected agent. It kills the infective agents through oxidation and supports proliferation of more white blood cells. It also supports white blood cells and protecting them from reactive oxygen species that are created in killing those pathogens, so it keeps them healthy and safe. So vitamin C, boom, from the gecko, um, cheap and easy to take. So for me, this is something that I'm using. There's actually a report out of China now that's saying that uh, three intravenous vitamin C research studies have been approved for treating uh, coronavirus-19. Uh, what we see is that apparently... Uh, There's IV vitamin C being used in China, and as per Richard Z. Cheng, MD, he quotes, early and sufficiently large doses of intravenous vitamin C are critical. Vitamin C is not only a prototypical antioxidant, but also involved in virus killing and prevention of viral replication. The significance of large doses of intravenous vitamin C is not just at an antiviral level. We therefore call for a worldwide discussion and debate on this topic. So again, early on, as I mentioned, that they're really pushing it in China. So before you get IV vitamin C, you wanna make sure you don't have a G6PD deficiency that can cause major issues if you're getting IV vitamin C and not tested for that in your blood work. But more convo definitely needs to be around IV vitamin C in the context of uh, viruses, particularly coronavirus. So let's see where this research out of China comes and hopefully, hopefully, our medical system out here in America starts embracing things outside of pharmaceuticals. So vitamin A and glutathione, why? As per my colleague, Dr. Ben Lynch, a genius doctor out there, he uh, explained that the importance of these two agents in prevention of the pneumonia. Pneumonia, remember I said, is what's really the end stage that is killing these people who are infected. So what these agents are doing is we see vitamin A can reduce the risk of respiratory tract infections. For glutathione, we see it in animals. And we see animals with pulmonary damage from a virus have a dramatic decrease in pulmonary glutathione and high amounts of oxidative stress, right? So this causes redox imbalances due to low amounts of antioxidants in the body. Glutathione, as I talk about a lot, is not just for liver detox, but it's an inhibitor uh, of inflammation and also a regulator of the innate immunity, that immune system, that ancient immune system in our body. So Dr., uh, Dr. Ben Lynch believes that this is why elderly people are getting sick versus younger people, because of the decrease or the insufficient amount of glutathione in the lungs, plus other antioxidants like vitamin A. And as we get older, we absorb these fat-soluble uh, vitamins less readily, uh, and this is supported by multiple papers. So again, uh, Dr. Ben Lynch, you can check him out on Instagram. I know he's on Facebook. He talks a lot about this, but this is really intriguing stuff. So for me, what I have, um, and again, under my, under my care, the uh, family members are on glutathione, vitamin A, making sure, especially the older uh, people in my life, like my, my dad um, and extended family, they're gonna be on glutathione. Again, make sure you talk to your doctor that it's safe, for you to take um, before you go and take it or give it to uh, anyone over the age of 60, okay? But remember, intriguing stuff. It's awesome stuff. Check him out. As of February 2020, there was a study published in the Journal of Progress in Cardiovascular Disease by McCarthy and Dean Nico Antonio, um, and they published a protocol of nutraceuticals that have potential, potential, for boosting type one interferon responses to RNA viruses. Remember I told you about interferon, that response being reduced or silenced. Um, And these include influenza and coronavirus. So what they did is basically they gathered the nutraceuticals that would have the potential for boosting that signaling process uh, in response to the RNA viruses like coronavirus or influenza. Uh, And again, not preventing, treating, or curing, but uh, these may support the immune system in response to an infection, and these include lipoic acid, spirulina, NAC, glucosamine, zinc, yeast beta-glucans, and elderberry. So currently for myself, I'm taking the aforementioned for the most part, plus some, uh, a few mushroom tinctures from Cycle, which have been shown to support my gut. My immune system and detoxification of the liver so me i'm always trying to do the most when it comes to taking care of myself because um, it's really important especially in these times so as per dr heather's wiki she's an immunologist and she explains that herbs like astragalus are helpful in reducing inflammation and are antiviral golden seal and oregon grape are uh, toxic to viruses and there's research on flu but not corona and bacteria also which are important because bacteria can be uh, a secondary infection caused by the pneumonia echinacea uh, it's best used in the beginning of an infection and in a meta-analysis has been shown to reduce upper respiratory infections elderberry which i mentioned in the proto- in the protocol that i just talked about um, has research that it blocks viral uptake So she also explained that these therapies do increase cytokines but no not to the level of a cytokine storm which i was getting a lot of questions on if you don't know what a cytokine storm is you can just google it but people were concerned that these supplements can cause a cytokine storm and as per this immunologist heather uh, zwicki she had mentioned that uh, herbs do not go to the level of a cytokine storm right they will increase them but not go to the cytokine storm so uh, and you don't have to work very hard to get to that level to trigger it and these are usually coming from super agents like staph enterotoxin or tsst1 as she explained uh, and on the contrary scientific literature suggests herbs actually decrease cytokine storms again it's always individualized i can't speak for everyone check with your doctor again so at no point should these supplements be used as a substitute to the basic interventions that i spoke about earlier so important non-supplemental intervention, of course, handle your stress. It's ironic that the media has done such a good job at stressing us out in the first place, but stress on top of sleep are more, more likely for me, the number one determinants of your immune health and how strong and robust your immune system is. So now more than ever, we have to find our stress reduction techniques every single day, period. And if you're over the age of 60, definitely. So that means not putting on the TV, watching it all day, hyping yourself out, in, in, in sacrifice of you taking that time to meditate or do yoga or do breath work. Sleep, for me, another top one. Now's the time more than ever. Doesn't matter if you're 60 and over, 20 and over, 16 and over, it doesn't matter. Getting restful sleep is so, so important. It should be a priority, getting to bed early, sleeping through the night, because that is gonna be a huge determinant to your immune system. Movement, even if you're in quarantine, even if there's a forced quarantine make sure you're moving make sure you're moving through your house opening the windows doing push-ups doing sit-ups doing pull-ups doing yoga that movement is so important at moving your system please make sure you're moving nutrient-dense food of course i talk about this all the time Um, i did a post on immune stimulating foods uh, about a a few months ago about two months ago one or two months ago, so check that out. There's so many immune-stimulating foods, so many really good foods out there that we can be eating that support our immune system. So these are just basics that I'm sure this audience is so educated that I'm sure you're already doing, but I wanna restress them for you, re-emphasize the importance. So ladies and gentlemen, does it take a pandemic to remind us how not immune the United States or the world is? Right? It can teach us so many things that we think are permanent, right? So many things in the world that we think are permanent that they're just constructs in our head because nothing is permanent. And does it take a pandemic for us to care about our health, uh, care about our sleep, our exercise, our stress levels, to start eating right finally? Does it take a pandemic to care about our elders, to call them and make sure they're healthy, right? Does it take a pandemic to remind us how fragile? life is that we are not immortal and that us or our loved ones can die at any moment like always my intention and words are to teach and empower so ask yourself what has this pandemic revealed about you to yourself who are you choosing to be in light of everything that is happening there's no right or wrong answer but truly think about What has this situation brought outside of you? Because it's really important, nature, nature, nature is trying to communicate with us very clearly that we need to stop, be more present, take care of each other. And sometimes, and and I'm not blaming all of us, but sometimes we don't listen until the symptoms fully show themselves, until the pain reveals itself. Well, now we can finally listen and maybe treat each other and the world better. So just observe what you're creating in this situation. And though it can be a shitty one on the surface, you always have the power to determine how you respond to it and what defines you best in relation to what we see. So take the time to see the big picture, right? Our world, our community needs healing, but more than anything, we have to start with healing ourselves. All right, everyone. Today's special guest all the way from Australia. I caught him when he was here in LA. My guy, Julian Mitchell, he's the CEO and co-founder of Lifecycle Mushrooms, a company that I have gotten fully behind. And you know, you know that I am very discriminatory about the companies I I get behind. So I wanted to get him in here and speak about all things mushrooms which he's so passionate about and so knowledgeable about, and then speak a little bit about these uh, mushroom complexes too. So Julian, thank you for joining, man.
1: Thanks for having me. I love the podcast, love what you're doing. And uh, you know, I remember when we first met, it was just like one of those moments where like, this guy's just on a mission and it was very inspiring. Yeah. The energy you were, you were bringing was again, very inspiring. But yeah, <laughs> likewise.
0: No man, Like, the, uh, I think what we saw in each other is just a reflection of our passion and mission. Right, Your mission was behind this, my mission is something else, but it's still like what we recognize in each other. And I think that you have been bringing a lot of people of the same realm within your... You, you've created your own community, a mushroom community of people who it love happens. your... It happens. The
1: mushroom church is what we're bringing people church. into, which is a, a church of uh, connection back to nature, most importantly, and connection mm-hmm. and empowerment. Mm-hmm. That's the other piece, which is what you guys are all about here as well, which is how do we empower people to be healthier and live better? And mushrooms are one of those tools in the toolkit.
0: Yeah, what what would ever in your life for? And I know we'll talk about your background, but at what point do you go? Let me get into mushrooms.
1: It was one of those pieces, I guess, where we were. I mean, for my background as a physio, worked in this Premier League. Thought you know, being head of medical was something that you know I wanted to aspire to do. And I guess at that point, I just thought, um, what can we do at scale? Um, and what was an issue at the time? And and the future of food, I think, was an issue really that we were very passionate about in terms of how we're going to eat non-GMO food, organic food, where's our food grown from, how do we do it without cutting down all the forests, how do we do it without using heaps of pesticides. And so looking at all the options, and mushrooms were like an uncharted continent. It's like no pesticides to grow them. They can grow from you know, agricultural waste product. They can grow in very small areas, urban environments. They grow very quick, great substitute for meat. So that was like step one. And then we went into the wonderland of mushrooms and we found out, well, wow, medicinal properties and many other components. So we've then we went from, I guess, an agricultural farming company mm-hmm. to a biotechnology company um, where we we're really just working with nature, not against it. Yeah, one, one of the uh, beautiful things that you
0: do is, and you just said biotechnology is, you add a lot of science with the mushrooms, the ancient, right? The ancient part connecting back to nature. And that Venn diagram, right in the middle, is like really where we need to be because we need to understand there's a lot of about mushrooms we don't really know. So knowing how therapeutically they're helping us is so important. But also knowing, okay, yeah, let's let's explore this uncharted territory, uh, like you said, a continent, and understand like, whoa, this is like some powerful stuff that can really help us. Um, what? How important is getting back to nature for you? For me personally? Yeah, yeah, for you personally uh, and your...
1: your... Speaking of church, Sunday is a church where I'm trying to get to the forest. Mm -hmm. Every Sunday, trying to get out there away from phone, away from tech, um, barefoot in the forest and just, uh, again, looking for mushrooms is always fun. But just being there um, definitely changes the energetics within you and I'm sure we'll be able to measure that in time. Um, But for right now, you know viscerally and physiologically when you leave being immersed in nature, that you feel amazing. So that's a one piece on a, on a Sunday that we like to do. Some of the team members and I, and then every day during the week, it's, it's getting to the beach for sunrise. Um, it's doing some breath work, some meditation, some yoga. I went down to Venice Beach this morning, went for a dip. I think there's a few people looking at me like, this guy's crazy. Well, it's raining. It's raining and it's pretty cold, the water, but yeah. it feels amazing. It's a, it's a double espresso yeah. uh, in the morning. So just being immersed in nature, and I think that's one of the biggest things at the moment is we're very disconnected to that. Yeah. Uh, In many ways, a hundred percent. And we evolve with nature,
0: right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, how much of disease is really just brewing in there because of our separation from it. And that's something we talk about when we first met, we were, we were totally in it. We were going like, no, we need to get back to nature. (laughs) Yes. We need to be going to sleep when the sun goes down. Um, and when the sun comes up, the importance of that. And so I, I love that you live your philosophy because that's the type of people that we like to be around. Um, so, so, all right, so now you're exploring these mushrooms, right? And, and you're going, let me start this mushroom company. What have you found about mushrooms? How spectacular are they to you?
1: They're more than one last time's worth of work. Mm. Um, so there's, there's never a scarcity of like, oh, we're going to run out of things to do with mushrooms. One, there's lots of problems to solve. Two, there's an infinite number around, you know, three million species that we're aware of. of the only amount that is discovered in the sense of what they may actually do for us. So there's 93% of mushrooms out there that we don't know what they may do, what key to what door they may unlock. And so we're talking today maybe about lion's mane and reishi and chaga and all these mushrooms, but we've got a library of 86 at the moment in terms of other mushrooms that can do other amazing things in terms of breakdown textile waste. Um, We use some mushrooms for tackling antimicrobial resistance in animal immunity. So the overuse of antibiotics in animals, um, which is another big issue as well in terms of breeding superbugs wow. for humans. And so we find, for example, just quickly in, in honey, for example, um, a lot of beekeepers will be using antibiotics to f- fight off disease and you know, glyphosate and other issues that are causing a weak immune system. So these antibiotics, because the resilience of the bees is very low, but that antibiotic then comes through in trace amounts in the honey. Mm -hmm. And then what happens if that person's having honey for five, 10, 15 years, and then they have some sort of issue and they need antibiotics and they may have some resistance to that, which we're seeing.
0: Mm -hmm. That is uncharted territory. It really is. So how did you choose to use the ones that you're using? Um, and why, and what have you been seeing? Because, um, I'm such a fan of, when we'll talk a little bit about lion's mane, but, uh, of all of them, but tell us more like what, what have you found about reishi, shiitake, cordyceps? What have you found that they're doing for
1: people or in your research? Sure. So um, if we start with, uh, I guess, and each mushroom has their own compounds within them. So if we talk about shiitake, we're talking about one key compound called lentin. And lentin is amazing at preventing. So you have collagen and elastin, two key pieces of you know, skin health. And so we know a lot about collagen. You've done a great podcast on collagen. Elastin is the other one where UV damage causes loss of elasticity and stimulates elastase to break down the elastin within your skin. And so as we're getting older, we're losing that elasticity. Especially in Australia, there's a lot of UV. In other countries, there's a lot of UV damage. And so the lentilin acts to reduce the amount of elastase being stimulated, reducing the breakdown of elastin and keeping your skin more elastic and more firm. And so this is a great anti-aging mushroom. Um, Beyond that, with the shiitake, what you also notice is hair and nail growth. And so by nail growth, they become very strong. And also with your hair, it becomes very thick. And so this testimonially is a very popular mushroom for the beauty sector. But mm-hmm. also, be, and you see it in a lot of Korean, Korean cosmetics as an ingredient, but you see it as its species name. And so therefore, they don't maybe recognize it as shiitake. But that's a beauty mushroom. It has antiviral properties. It has antibacterial properties. It has antifungal properties. So in their core, all of these mushrooms we were talking about are immune powerhouses yeah. since the dawn of time. Um, You know, if we go and look at traditional Chinese medicine for thousands of years, the reishi mushroom has been revered. It's been on the artwork. It's been in the temples. And so now with these extracts, we're putting it in a more bioavailable form. But the shiitake for hair, skin and nails is amazing. It's an immune powerhouse. It's an everyday must-have in the toolkit, Mm. um, especially right now with what we're facing. And so that's the shiitake. If we go to the reishi mushroom, this is known as the, the queen of mushrooms, the mushroom of immortality, What we know from the science is that it helps stimulate interleukin-6 and TNF, tumor necrosis factor. And so this actually, once you consume some ratio, the studies show that within eight hours, you'll get stimulation of your effector cells, your interleukin-6, your TNF, building a more resilient immune system, essentially at the core of it, and building an upgraded software. So your immune system is like a software system. If we think of, you know, what does it look like? How do we describe it to people? It's downloading and upgrading our software, So then when new bugs come in, when new foreign particles come in, bacteria viruses, whatever it may be, your body can remove it or address it or recognize it straight away. Because a lot of time with bacteria and things, they're dormant in your system or they're there and the body's not even able to pick up on them. And so then they grab a hold and then they grow and they multiply. Mm. So it's about the software being able to recognize, Hey, you shouldn't be here. You're not a part of us and then take care of it and, exterminate it kill it Mm -hmm. um enter its dna or rna and destroy it so it cannot synthesize and reproduce so that's the reishi mushroom is an immunomodulator um upgrading the software of the immune system and also does great work in terms of liver detoxification and so there's been great studies on that as well to show detoxifying the liver you know the importance of that in terms of the build-up of heavy metals and toxins and so as a as a detox strategy, the ratio is amazing. As immunomodulatory, it's amazing in terms of both autoimmune um, and hyperimmune systems and underactive immune systems. Where you're feeling overwhelmed, where you're feeling on the edge of sickness, you're getting a bit sniffly. It plays a great role there. So,
0: yeah, that's and and I've, I've noticed because, um, well, when, when when we first spoke, you had gave me uh, the whole line. You said, "Here, try them out." I said, "Okay, yeah, I'm gonna try them out." <laughs> and my roommate got sick. And I feel like she was sick. And then uh, who else was coming? Someone else was coming to the house that was sick all the time too. Regardless, I was so vigilant in taking these guys. And because I wanted to do a little test, Mm -hmm. right? I didn't get sick at all. Not even even run down, not even tired. I was like, that's when I started really believing that this stuff is super strong. But um, knowing how much you care for what goes in there, then I understood, okay, wow, it's like there's a complete, um, you're completely putting all you have into it. Therefore, you know, like it's gotta be the highest quality. And that translates into, because I was not getting, sick, I was so surprised because usually when someone's that sick around me, I'll get sick at some point but nothing, which is interesting. And I'm sure you heard that before.
1: It's great. We just, I mean, we get to the point now and a backstory on to, I guess why we believe that is the case is because we've got a great team of scientists. We've got a, a chief biotechnology engineer um, from Paris and, and these guys typically go and work for, you know, uh, in other biotechnology companies, pharmaceutical companies, et cetera. And he was sort of seeing, well, there's a huge future in mushroom biotechnology. And so, you know, credit to him to come over from Australia and and work with us and he's been with us since very early days Thomas Lucia and he's um, really making him and the team making a great product and so we do everything from start to finish we think that's very important so we grow the mushrooms we are the farmers um, that's how we started our business and then we went into biotechnology and we've got a great team a mycologist, a nanotechnologist, a biotech engineer, all of these names. I didn't know what these professions <laughs> were, you know, starting the company. Um, and One of the nanotechnologists doing a PhD on beta-glucan. So really trying to lead the science yeah. because mushrooms deserve that respect as well. As much as they've been used in ancient wisdom and, and things, it's now what can we use with modern technology and fuse those together? And so... For you to get that testimonial, it's exactly that. It's We grow the mushrooms, we extract them, we have patterns on our extraction process. It's all vertically integrated and so we have complete control of the supply chain. We know where we're getting our water from, our ethanol from, it's all organic. All of those pieces are important and they're all important for you to know. And mm-hmm. I want to know those things as well. And testimonially, we're just getting great results and it's gotten to the point where it's try the product, um, we're not going to sell it to you give it two weeks and let's see. And then we just, again, get constantly good results. So our testimonials, I think are at 96%. For the lion's main it's 98%. Um, so very happy with that.
0: Yeah. And, and what made you choose tinctures? Why, wh- is there a difference between tinctures or, um, you know, capsules or powders? Cause there's mushroom
1: comes in every form right now. Um, do you've noticed that one's better than the other? Delivery systems are the key really to bioavailability. Um, and to potency and so this is really a game of purity and bioavailability and whoever makes or has the best bioavailable product um, will get the best results and so that's important to us because I think a lot of dietary supplements on the market fit into that category of probably placebo in the sense of I heard it's good I saw some research that it's good did I notice anything tangible no and I guess going back to empowering the customer the consumer our community We don't want to say anything, try it for yourself and see what results you get. And so bioavailable-wise, you want to be putting it under your tongue. You want to be opening it up. The ethanol helps with the vasodilation. Um, Having it in a liquid form makes it more bioavailable. Putting it under your tongue means you're getting it straight into your bloodstream, which is the key. Mm -hmm. Because if it's going through your gut in a powder form or in a food form, then you've got acids and you've got everything, pH levels, everything trying to break it down, proteins Mm -hmm. trying to break it down. Mm -hmm. You're not going to absorb as much. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, and I I notice... um... I never noticed mushrooms helping too much.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I did take it in a um, powder form for a little bit. You, and there's a lot of powder products for mushrooms now. Mm-hmm. But I, I noticed that they didn't help. I couldn't notice. That's yeah. basically what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. But I, I did. And I again, like I don't love selling anything, mm-hmm. but I do get behind these because I know what I felt. Like I didn't get sick. And now we're going to move to the lion's mane. Yeah. What the lion's mane did, mm-hmm. it was like, maybe I overdosed or maybe I didn't, but all I knew is when I took the overdose, I was, when I took the Lion's Mane, I was so hyper focused mm-hmm. for hours. And I was like, holy crap, this is real stuff. Yeah. What What have you found in about Lion's Mane that you love the most?
1: I mean, from the research point of view, we, we read the research and we said, okay, improves nerve growth factor, it increases nerve growth factor, it improves neural regeneration, it improves remyelination of the nerve cell. So, okay, that makes sense. But what we noticed, which wasn't in any of the research, is increase in dreaming, increase in REM sleep. So we get a lot of aura data sent to us. So the aura spectrum ring, um, which you know we didn't really know what that was prior to um, really starting the, the company in the lion's mane. But a lot of aura data showing increase in REM sleep Um, increase in dreaming and was chatting to another doctor about that and he was talking about activation of the pineal gland and so this activation of the pineal gland is when you get your dreaming and when you're in your REM stage that's when you get more dreaming and that's fascinating and really getting that memory recall and so that wasn't in any of the research and that again testimony will get it time and time again it's interesting Um, but that's also really I think an activation and a consolidation of memory um, for the next day and we know I think the two the future of health, two pieces that are gonna become very topical, stress and sleep. And we know sleep's very important for memory consolidation for having you know, A good day starts with a good night's sleep. We know that mm-hmm. old adage. And so we that line's meant to improve REM is a game changer and has been a game changer for a lot of our athletes um, and a lot of our customers. And then beyond that, the next stage is gonna be more focused
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, remember when we were talking and you go, you may notice that you were dreaming more and mm. I go,
1: oh my God, I've been dreaming
0: more. Um, or remember, recalling or remembering mm. my dreams more, um, which is truly a sign of, you know, that deep sleep. Yeah. So it's interesting because when I learned about lion's in school, we didn't talk about sleep. Mm. We talked about the brain properties. Um, and when I learned about that, I was like, wow, this is pretty interesting that mm. we're seeing this not only in me, but as you said, multiple people. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah so lion's mane has been super powerful. Then what else, we have the cordyceps in there.
1: The cordyceps is another game changer for athletic performance, or for if you're trying to switch out of having coffee. And so uh is one of the main compounds within cordyceps, and this helps improve ATP production. So adenotriphosphate, so you know the powerhouses of energy within the mitochondria, and also increasing oxygen uptake to the cells. And mm. so we've seen a lot of vo 2 max testing done. And that's improved their VO2 max and fatigue resistance, almost like doing uh, the breathing method or the Wim Hof in terms of oxygenating your body, saturating it with oxygen. So your fatigue resistance, Mm -hmm. um, so your resistance more to cold and pain and other things. It's the same as that with cordyceps. And so subjectively what you notice is instead of a peak and trough with coffee, it's a four to six hour flow um, with the cordyceps. So less adrenal fatigue, less interruption to sleep, Though you don't want to take it too late at night. It will keep you up, Um, you know, Energy, energy, stamina, libido—those um, things have all been. We've seen a lot of positive results from, um, which have been fascinating and, and great feedback again. So, cordyceps in the morning to so switch out your coffee, or if you really need to get something done, add it to your coffee. Or it, as an insurance policy as well, if you've got an important day, but you've had a poor night's sleep, and you even just the nerves of say you're having a big event tomorrow, and you don't sleep tonight because of that, mm. you wake up in the morning. If you have, you know, two mill of cordyceps, you can get through it fine, and you can not you know, I guess be lagging at all. So we found that to be useful there. Yeah.
0: That's one of my favorite adaptogens for the adrenal glands. Cordyceps has always been, um, so the, it's awesome that there's that athletic component or that you just just everyday stress, mm-hmm. right? Cause our body will, you know, totally uh, be stimulated by mental stress and physical stress kind of doesn't know the difference other than just going, okay, well, this is a stressful situation. Let's release these stress hormones. So being b- b- uh, better to adapt to it is, mm. is, is really cool. And uh, are we missing one here?
1: What do we got? Turkey tail? Turkey tail. Turkey tail. So the turkey tail mushroom, I think this is the unsung hero as well. Mm -hmm. Within our team, we've got a staff of 22. This is probably one of our favorites. Turkey tail and uh, the lion's mane. So the turkey tail, just what we find is an amazing mood stabilizer because we know a lot of mood is regulated in the gut. You know, the serotonin release receptors, the dopamine receptors. And so, you know, healthy gut, which has been a huge topic for the last 10 years, is Mm -hmm. gut health and have your kombucha and have your prebiotics and have all of these things. But there's been a great study out of Harvard Medical to show PSP, polysaccharide peptide, a bit of a mouthful, um, within the turkey tail mushroom helps stimulate healthy gut bacteria. But what it translates to is we've seen a lot of easing of digestive issues, Crohn's, celiac, um, what else is there, other digestive issues. In terms of IBS mm-hmm. um, have been you know just eased through the use of turkey tail as well as mood um, so that's been you know any signs for performers of anxiety any nerves um, any anxiety has been really well treated or used with turkey tail so turkey tail for the gut lion's name for the brain has been a great combination mm-hmm. um, to tackle that so the turkey tail um, is yeah definitely a favorite definitely a key. Out one here, the extract for turkey tail really tastes a bit like caramel. So the key, I think, to adoption as well, you know, we're wellness warriors. So if it's bad for us, we'll consume it because we know it's good for us. (laughs) But, you know, really to get, again, what we were thinking as a team, how do we get mainstream adoption? Because that's what we need. That's what we want. We want the collective immunity to increase, um, the collective consciousness to increase, the collective... Health and wellness, and really getting everyone unlocking their potential, and so as a staple, getting that gut health right with turkey tail, it tastes like a caramel, and it's very easy to you know digest. It's along with all of the mushroom tinctures, they're really easy and tasty, in that sense. And by putting them under the tongue, you get that absorption. So it's um, a very powerful mushroom, and yeah, I'd put it as a top three.
0: Top three. T- so turkey tail, actually, uh, I've used a lot through my residency working with cancer because there's data on it, especially with breast cancer. Mm-hmm. So it's been really helpful um, as an adjuvant to all of the other treatments. But folks who I learned, what I saw was folks who were taking it were doing a lot better, mm-hmm. going through chemotherapy, going through radiation, even from surgery. So it's really interesting. That's, I think that was a moment where I said, oh, there might be something in these mushrooms because mm-hmm. I wasn't really taking any through school. And then right after in my residency, that's when I started exploring them more. Mm -hmm. I mean, we learned about it, but really that's when I started bringing them into my life. And I actually started even eating more, like reishi, right? Um, Shiitake, just mushrooms in general. And what we find is that even like a white button mushroom um, has been shown to help reduce breast cancer, right? Just literally adding mushrooms dietarily. is Is that something you do outside of like, you know, the whole spectrum of supplements?
1: The more mushrooms, I had shiitake mushrooms last night in a curry, um, the more you can add mushrooms to dishes. And they're so easy to add to every dish, you know, if you're making curry or whatever you're making, um, add them in there for sure. I guess going back to the next point is with CBD also, you know, I think a lot of uh, consumers in the community are a bit like, oh, does it work? Does it not work? Which one do I choose? Right. And so this is, I guess, what happens with capitalism when they see an opportunity Everyone tries to build a brand and, and you know, white label some CBD and then away we go. But it does a disservice to the medicinal compounds of CBD and the, and the actual utilisation of that. And so we're going to see that within mushrooms as well. And I think we already have seen that with a lot of, you know, 95% plus of mushrooms come from China that are in the market today that are powders. If it's a powder, it's likely from China. And if it's from China, then I guess what we've just found, we, you know, have tried and tested these mushrooms. We just don't get those testimonials that we get with the liquid extract. The liquid extract are game-changing testimonials. And with the powders, you're not getting that. And maybe that's what you experienced Mm -hmm. as well. So Mm -hmm. it does do a disservice to mushrooms. And people say, they're okay. Right. Uh -uh, They're powerhouses. Mm -hmm. They're game changers. You need to find the right one for you. And that's, I guess, why we just want to put everything out, uh, you know, in terms of the public, in terms of having a QR code on our product and on on the next batch where we're doing heavy metals, mycotoxins, amino acids, beta-glucans, and just, you know, putting that all out there, as well as being able to show the whole supply chain of where it was farmed, because I think the future of food overall deserves that and needs that.
0: Mm -hmm. This was the, that was the, the number one reason, aside from even before when I tried the supplements, was when you told me all of that, I wanted to get behind it, because, at that point, then, because you know, I work a lot with companies and mm-hmm. try to find out which ones are really clean, transparent, heavy metals. But that's what I
1: was like. That's what that's, that's what inspired <laughs> that's right. me. I'm like this is this guy's on a mission, yeah, and a worthy mission that we need because there's so much greenwashing out there, yeah. and even today the greenwashing gets smarter, much smarter, It <laughs> gets smarter. But, yeah. And so we've just got to like get to the point, yeah, yeah. And the businesses that are already doing that just show that. Mm-hmm. um and hopefully it raises the standard overall um because we're all on the same collective mission which is mm-hmm. you know everyone goes in with the right intentions if they start a food company they want to help people get healthier mm-hmm. generally speaking mm-hmm.
0: yeah but you giving access to everyone uh, basically full transparency that's what you're we are offering right now and looking to even improve on which is really important for all of us and for me to get behind any company to be honest um so you're eating the mushrooms. You have mushrooms, but you're putting them in extracts. <laughs> um, you, the line right now is what five,
1: five plus the six, which is the chaga, well, the, so new the new one, chaga. So we sort of hold it, held off on chaga because we wanted to find us again. So going back to supply chain, most of chaga, you know, is coming from I guess questionable sources because it grows on birch tree, um, you know, and birch trees are you know, at the moment becoming decimated as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so the population of birch tree because of climate change is becoming less because of actually it's funny how the cascade of events take place so there's no burn off anymore um, in a lot of forests especially in north america as well Mm -hmm. and so that means there's no burn off of birch trees and birch trees require that for the seeds to drop to then reproduce so they actually you know have evolved with fire the birch tree and so they're Mm -hmm. used to having fire to then reproduce along with that the temperatures are higher they grow in cold climate and so birch trees are you know, I guess on the nose a little bit. So we wanted Mm -hmm. to find a reliable source because this is where the chaga grows. The chaga grows off one in every 1,000 trees, you'll find chaga mushroom. And so the birch tree alone is very powerful. You know, you've got the, the birch bark, which can be made into a tea, which is very medicinal. You've got the birch sap, which is actually what xylitol comes from. And so it's a very powerful medicinal tree on its own. And then with the mushroom, the shaga, which grows over a 10-year period minimum up to 20 years. So it's just growing over a long period of time. We know that it's pulling in a lot of nutrients. Its it's melanin levels are amazing. Its trace mineral levels are amazing. Its betulin, all these amazing compounds. It's a powerhouse. And so we just sort of held off as much as we'd love it to find a reliable source that we can rely on for the next 10 years, uh, 10, 20 years and be able to know that we aren't over-harvesting and that we're su- harvesting sustainably because the key is harvesting and leaving some of it on the tree so it can grow back.
0: Mm, instead of ripping it all off. Mm-hmm. So that's the new one. That's the new the one. The bottle is beautiful. All black. All black. Really it, it nice. It
1: deserved, uh, it needed to be put on the pedestal. It's on the <laughs> pedestal,
0: but chaga is so powerful, right? And what 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 I love is, I actually mentioned chaga when I went over um, the airline episode about radiation or just exposures in the airport just traveling basically mm-hmm. keeping yourself strong but um the belief i guess is the melanin itself you which you just mentioned having uh well, radiation absorbing properties which is we i i we haven't seen enough clear research about it but we're starting to see that and um one thing i read was around chernobyl there was so many mushrooms growing mm-hmm. and you literally utilizing that radiation for energy, which is wild, which is wild to hear or melanin even as an alternative source of energy, which there's some data now coming out. So Chaga might be the most mysterious, but might overall be the most powerful one without even knowing.
1: It is. I mean, it, it's funnily in, in some circles known as the king of mushrooms. Mm. And that's, I mean, when we started taking it, uh, our extract after about four days, we looked in the mirror and you just, you'd have to look twice in terms of your eyes. Mm. The, the eyes, the veil in the eyes, and they just become a much more clear mm-hmm. and much more bright. And, um, you know, you sort of like, what, what's on the... So these it is a beauty mushroom as well because of that, the trace minerals, the melanin. But not just beauty, it's just an absolute powerhouse like you mentioned. And so sometimes when you talk about these mushrooms, it can do this, it can do that, it can do this. It's just helping with your innate immune system with the foundations. And from there, you can do a lot more.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, one thing you had mentioned is the collective immunity. And Lord knows we need it more than ever right now because... And, and that this is, this is what I talk about with this virus that's flowing through the world. At what point, what, what, what do we need to tell us that we need to get healthier? What do we need to tell us that we need to prioritize our health, our community, taking care of each other? I mean, how much more of a mirror does we need to see at this point? But For me, my goal, and look, I have no stake in the company, is for everyone to be taking at least your line of mushrooms or at least dedicating themselves to their immune health and their immune system.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, other companies we started prior to this, I think we went in with a normal young intention of like, okay, let's do something to make money. And it never works out that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And even for us, we lost passion and motivation. But for us right now, this is not a job at all. This is, uh, you know, very much our mission in terms of what we're trying to achieve and improve people's lives and, and getting these mushrooms out. I genuinely believe with the lion's mane, everyone over 50 should be having this mushroom from a brain health point of view and everyone under 50 who's trying to optimize their brain um, because we know the, the lion's mane is the closest thing to psilocybin, the magic mushroom in terms of its behavior on the brain. Mm. And so in terms of that neuroregeneration, that anti-aging, having a healthy brain, very, very important. But that goes for the full spectrum of you know all six of these mushrooms. Absolutely, any of my loved ones and friends, you know, I'm telling them to have them, and they are having them, and that's great, and they're seeing the benefits, and we're getting that testimonially. So it's getting out there. Um, some concerns around again the greenwashing, and same as the CBD, where you're going to have lots of brands come in, and sure. you know, are people going to feel disempowered because oh, it didn't work for me? So we do need to empower customers with everything. It's hey, try it for yourself, do it for a couple of weeks, and see how it feels. Um, that's sort of our take on it. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, beyond that, absolutely every person should be on these mushrooms. And then there's an exciting frontier to take place with uh, the psilocybin over the next five years, um, for more serious cases of PTSD, depression, um, terminal illness. This is a part of our evolution. Mushrooms have always played a role ever since the dawn of time. If you look back to, you know, how the earth was perhaps colonized and inhabited with the fungi and that story in the stone ape hypothesis around how maybe we went from, you know, having a, a smaller brain to a larger brain very rapidly with the magic mushroom. So all throughout history, mushrooms have played a role. Even if you look at, uh, you know, penicillin in the World War II and comes from uh, the fungi kingdom, penicillium, saved hundreds of thousands of lives as antibiotic. And so if you look at cyclosporin, if you look at other medications, they have fungi ingredients. Mm-hmm. And so this is part of evolution. There'll be more in terms of drug development with mushrooms, no doubt. Some of the multiple sclerosis medications use fungi. Um, but then on a health and wellness preventative collective immunity um, piece, these are an essential.
0: hundred percent. I, I agree with that. And we need to more incorporate that as part of our, as part of just our living, right? Mm-hmm. As part of connecting back to nature, as you mentioned. Um, man, I'd love to see psilocybin help folks who really need it most. Unfortunately, there's a lot of politics behind that, as we know. But maybe one day it's cleared it's out. It's happening
1: and you quicker than we thought. It is. It's happening quicker than we thought it would. I mean, we don't have any real um, vested interest in that. Currently, we work with medicinal functional mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, and There's some great companies and great research institutes doing great stuff. Unlimited Sciences um, doing some great research out of Denver. Uh, MAPS is another one. Mm-hmm. And so you've got some other companies starting up. So it's starting to warm up. Um it's just always the I guess idea around capitalism and intention and what we're trying to achieve and hopefully we can get to that space because are we evolving like you think we should? I mean, what's your take on humanity if you zoom out right now? Are you excited? Are you optimistic?
0: No, I think we're I think we're devolving mm-hmm. um, maybe not with our with our innovation and technology, but we certainly are from the sense of connection to nature, our health, right? We have the, all these scientific breakthroughs, but are we healthier, truly? Mm-hmm. Like, is our quality of life healthier? Do we feel better? Are we radiating? No, I would, mm-hmm. I would actually argue that it's going the other way. So that's my opinion. And I know that you probably share the same one. So we need some breakthroughs. Um, as we mentioned, the rule of thumb, getting back to nature, that's mm-hmm. so huge, um, because there's too much stimulus, yeah. way too much. Yeah in front of us and i think it's really affecting the way we live
1: we need to simplify things that's sort of what you're sort of saying and we mm-hmm. can have all of these tools and technologies and like you said we can aim to get to mars but you know what happens in a crisis like right now mm-hmm. are we able to feed ourselves mm-hmm. are we able to be self-reliant mm-hmm. um so this is very humbling right now
0: it really is and and th- that's a, and look like you know i'm a science guy but i always think about other sides to things like why because right? I don't believe in mistakes at all. I don't believe anything's random at all, even the things that seemly, seemingly random or seem like most mistakes. So it's like, why are we going through this? Mm-hmm. Why, what's happening in the country? What's happening in the world? And what are we supposed to take out of this? Because people are dying. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess that's, that's we need to understand, let's, let's go back to something deeper, right? Because we are out there. We are way too in our phones. We are way too in our vested interests. We've lost community. Hundred thousand percent, which is something that's important to you, and me. So yeah, the the immunity of the community is so important at this point.
1: Absolutely, look after your gut, look after your brain, and then beyond that, look after your family and build that that connection. And I mean, you know, the work that Georgia Spend, Dispenza, Bruce Lipton, and these guys are doing around. Good vibes and bad vibes, and, and yeah. quantum physics, mm-hmm. and even the amplitude and the frequency that comes from a heart that is feeling love and oxytocin yeah. and all of those things. There's so many aspects to it, and there's some great groundbreaking work being done. But it all boils back down to the basics.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, the very basic stuff.
0: The and the the and which I fully get behind. And those two are amazing. The 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 part about mushrooms, which always fascinated me, is the sort of like the community that it uses to connect even trees Mm -hmm. underground, right? Like to actually, what what, what I was reading is, I think it was when a tree is sick, another tree will help that other tree. But the theory is that it utilizes this fungal community underground to feed nutrients. It's sort of like a net in many ways. So how ironic it is that you want to work on community, but you're using something in nature that works in a community and ecosystem, which is incredible.
1: Which I think for us is how we have to, in you know, karmically embody if we're going to be a part of a mushroom industry and, and, and be pushing that forward and being advocate for that. It's, well, wh- how does the mushrooms and mycelium work in nature? Mm-hmm. And again, working in harmony because, what well, I guess what we've learned in business is that you don't need to force things. Things will flow ro- in the right way. And so you know, how, do, how does mycelium work in the nature? It works exactly like that in terms of, if you lift up a big rock in a, in a healthy forest, you'll see an undercoat of white netty mass, which is the mycelium. Mm. And what it's doing is breaking down the rock, breaking down the minerals, um, which the tree and the roots cannot access, and delivering those to the tree in exchange for starches. So it's a symbiotic relationship. An evolutionary relationship requires mutualism, mutual benefit. You know, and so I guess that's within the community that we live in and mm-hmm. in relationships that we have and within the health we have with our own body and the health we have with the environment because what we see today is a lot of taking, mm-hmm. a lot of cutting down forests, a lot of you know, endangered species getting removed and extinct and, and it's just take, take, take. And so it's time for us I think, to collectively look at the full spectrum of the micro in terms of how we um, you know, looking after our bodies and building a temple and treating it like a temple and serving it and then how we're we serving our communities then we can be served.
0: Yeah, 100%. That's the the total mindset of consumerism, mm-hmm. consumption, right? And give me give it to me quick as possible too at the, yeah. on top of that. So the work you're doing is wonderful. All right, so any any plans? I don't know if you can give away the top secret yeah. stuff, but any new mushrooms coming in the in down the pipeline, or or anything else you're planning in the future for the company? Um, just what do we get, what do we have to look forward to? What to look here?
1: forward to? We have a range of oral sprays coming out. So again, okay. delivery mechanism is important to us, and getting that absorption, and convenience, and taste, and all of those things. So we will bring out. So with our mushroom extracts now, we have Kakadu plum, which is an indigenous bush food from Australia, from Arnhem Land. You know, it's understood to be you know 60,000 years old, as old as the culture. And in terms of its ability to be resilient to the environment, it's very harsh up there. Australia is a very dry place. So anything that grows um, well and into a fruit has gone through a lot of you know, struggles in terms of that resilience to n- its natural environment. Yeah. And so it's very high in vitamin C, highest fruit in vitamin C. And so this is a synergistic benefit with the mushrooms. What we will be bringing out with the oral sprays is lemon myrtle which is known to be more lemon than lemon is the sort of saying, um, but great antibacterial, antiviral properties. Um, You know, another gift from the Dreamtime and from uh, the Australian Indigenous communities and where it grows in wild. Um, So bringing bush foods and infusing those with mushrooms has been a very synergistic and beneficial product, but the oral sprays, we're bringing out some capsules. We are working on a mushroom burger right now, which grows in 12 days. It grows in 12 days, four ingredients, USDA organic, so we believe that's the lowest carbon footprint burger in the world and it's pretty tasty.
0: Wait a minute, wait, wait. you grow <laughs> the burger and then you eat it? Yeah. Okay.
1: You, straight from growing to eating. In four days? 12 days. 12 days, okay. Four ingredients. Four ingredients. USDA organic. What? So this will be coming out in a few months. Oh my God. So I'll God. be sending some of your way. So that's something we were. Being a biotechnology company allows us to play in different spaces of mushrooms and create and innovate. And so the team of scientists that we have are just, they're artists. You know, they're creating and playing with biology. Yeah. But our premise, of course, is to not manipulate and overburden nature and think that we can do it better by taking this compound and this compound and putting it together. We keep everything full spectrum, keep everything harmonious, nice. but reflect how do things grow in nature and try to mirror that as much as possible, because that's when you get the magic.
0: I'm looking forward to that burger. <laughs> um, It just hit me that there's a burger that grows in 12 days with four ingredients. It's organic. I'm trying to I'm trying to. Well, hopefully that blows away the alternative burgers that are out there that are not even anything near healthy or super processed. Just
1: like, what is this? Is not evolution. It's not not evolution. We're we're
0: de-evolving eating this crap, man. Mm -hmm, And it's mm -hmm. and it's crazy. So, thank you for doing that. Um, So, how do people learn more about everything that you're doing?
1: This line, sure. Social media or very, I guess present there it's a key channel and a great channel to talk to our audience so you can dm us there or you can talk to us on our website so lifecycle.com l-i-f-e-c-y-k-e-l uh that's c-y-k-e-l which we made it a little bit tricky for people to find us on google we were inspired by northern europe and scandinavia in terms of parental care sustainability policies things they were doing and so we thought you know let's just mix it up a little bit and, yeah. and spell it that way so that's the, the name of the brand but yeah website email um info at lifecycle or Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all of those channels. I look forward to listening to this podcast and getting this one out there to our audience because they're all a big fan of you guys.
0: Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to um, trying uh, that burger, which I'm still thinking about (laughs) because I'm kind of hungry. And um, yeah, man, I appreciate you coming. Whenever you come back, we'll talk more. And uh, yeah, man, stay safe in this climate, but we all can. And uh, we can really start by incorporating literally something that we evolve with like mushrooms my man julian dropping bombs i knew he would listen i i say this all the time i have in three years i've supported three companies fully and this is the fourth one because it's such a good company i do think he's doing great work it's grounded and rooted in such positivity and need to help ourselves and our community, the theme of the whole day today. So yo, go get yourself some mushrooms. They're gonna be really good for you. They're gonna be good for your family. Check with your doctor, of course. Can't make any recommendations, but I love them. All right, so enjoy, enjoy your week. Stay safe, stay healthy, uh, and take care of yourself.